All right. At, um, at this time of year, uh, you know, different images start to appear, like in those Christmas decorations when you're walking around the shops doing all of your shopping. Um, you get those yeah, really beautiful uh, or beautifully decorated houses, all those flashing lights, those dancing elves, big presents on people's front lawns. And if you look carefully on someone's front yard, you might see amidst some tinsel or those Christmas trees, a little baby lying silently in a manger with a mother and father standing above, looking down lovingly at their newborn child. This is, of course, the nativity scene with the baby Jesus. A beautiful image of peace and love uh, at Christmas time and as the year draws to an end. I think at this time of the year, God is generally perceived by people, but it can really easily kind of fall into the background. It can be lumped in with Christmas tradition, likened to Santa Claus to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and that is not really taken that seriously by the adult population. Because the question a lot of people have on their minds when they think about God is, where is He? Where is God? When people look around the world and see corruption and pain and suffering, where is God? Does he care about, his, about what is going on down here on earth? Well, today God answers that. We see it in the Christmas story in the baby Jesus, who was born here on earth, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's the goal here today that you would see that Jesus' birth marked a time where God walked upon the earth in the flesh, that you would see that God isn't distant to us, isn't distant um, to our struggles, but relates to us and can relate to our humanity. Also, that you would see that Emmanuel, God with us, has implications for us today. But before we get into that, how about I pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you uh, for this time we have together now to be able to look through it, think through it. Pray that you would be teaching us through your word about Emmanuel. Amen. Well, I, uh, I became an uncle partway through this year in July. My sister-in-law gave birth to a beautiful young baby girl called Evie. She's very cute. I'm, uh, I'm very pleased to announce, actually, uh, everyone, that Evie no longer cries when I hold her. Yesterday, we had this, this great breakthrough. Uh, we had a successful cuddle. She didn't cry. I, I swear she even smiled at me. That she could have just been concentrating on, a, on something else, but we won't go there. But uh, during, during Sophie's pregnancy, I remember uh, my brother going through different stages of excitement and nervousness about becoming a father. Uh, he'd kind of be sitting there and just be very excited, like, I'm going to be a father. This is great. And then the next day... I'd see him and he'd be like, I'm going to be a father? <laughs> There's this constant excitement and nervousness as it's preparing for parenthood uh, throughout Sophie's pregnancy. As I was uh, preparing for this sermon, thinking about the birth of Jesus, I started thinking about Joseph and Mary, about what was going through their heads. Because this birth that they were waiting for was the most significant birth in the history of the world. Emmanuel, God with us. In the Bible this morning, in Matthew chapter 1, we read of a prophecy spoken generations before the birth of Jesus, that is in the book of Isaiah. 
And in Matthew chapter 1, that prophecy that is spoken in Isaiah is fulfilled. It marks the time where God did appear here on earth, where he walked here in the flesh, not as uh, a ghost kind of floating around the place or in some sort of vision, but in the flesh. He appeared, first of all, in the birth of a baby boy called Jesus. Fairly unexpected, like the video. wasn't expecting that. Um, it's not what you expect when you think about God appearing here on earth. I think the image that kind of popped into my mind should have been more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, kicking a wall down, bursting into the room, going, hasta la vista, baby. I've been working on that accent. All week, he wouldn't believe it. <laughs> but God appears here on earth in the most unexpected way. Especially unexpected for Joseph and Mary, let's be honest. Mary being a virgin, Joseph knowing that the child wasn't his. I don't think I really need to explain the concept of the birds and the bees to anyone here. But that's fairly unusual. In a time where people were asking the same question that we're looking at today, where is God? He received the answer. A baby called Jesus, Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 to 23 tells us, if it pops up. It doesn't, that's okay. I'll read it out anyway. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. A prophecy that goes way back to Isaiah, to when God's people, the Israelites, were in absolute turmoil. It had been a a bit of a shaky time for the Israelites after King David and King Solomon uh, where Israel had seen its golden years, kind of the pinnacle of, uh, of the nation there, it's since declined as people fought over the throne and as the Israelites turned further and further away from following God. Israel had even split into two different kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdom, uh, with Judah as part of that southern kingdom in Jerusalem. Now Ahaz, who is king of Judah at this point in time, from the line of King David, He's a bit of a wally, to be honest. Yeah, he, uh, he thinks that with his words, he can trick God into thinking that he's an obedient follower of God. So he knows that Judah is faced with this coalition of nations who want to overthrow him to put another king on the throne. Uh, but God in Isaiah 7 tells Ahaz not to be concerned with them. After all, the rulers of these other nations are mere human, whereas the Israelites follow God who has cared for and protected them as his people. Just one of many examples of this is how he rescued them from slavery to the Egyptians. We see that in the book of Exodus. The Egyptians, a powerful nation, the Israelites had no hope of escaping from, yet God rescues them. It's proven time and time again that the Israelites can trust in him, that he cares for his people. And yet Ahaz says to God, or rather Ahaz doesn't trust God, even though God promises Ahaz that his nation's going to be okay. God even asks Ahaz to ask for a sign from God so that he'll know that it's obvious that God will care for his people. But Ahaz says to God, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. When I first read through that, kind of on the surface, they seem like some fairly humble words to be saying. 
But what we really see here is Ahaz not wanting to put all of his eggs in the one basket. He doesn't trust God, but turns to a human king, the king of Assyria, for help instead. And if God falls for it and helps out as well, then, you know, that's great. But you can't pull the wall over God's eyes. And as God warned Ahaz in verse 9, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. God tells Ahaz that Assyria, though subduing the nations that do oppose Judah, will be used in turn to punish Ahaz and Judah for choosing to trust in men rather than trusting God and turning away from him. Yet God still tells Ahaz that these other nations will not prevail, that Judah won't be wiped off the face of the earth. And he tells of this great sign that he's going to provide anyway to show that he does look after his people, that is not distant, that is there. Isaiah the prophet says to Ahaz, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now reading through Isaiah 7 is a bit like watching someone clinging for dear life to the edge of a cliff. But instead of accepting the hand that reaches down to them that can save them, they turn to the person next to them who's also hanging off the edge of the cliff for help. They obviously can't do anything. And yet God, even in his anger at Ahaz and Judah, uh, still makes this incredible promise. Even in his anger, his wrath, God is merciful. It's found there in verse 14, Emmanuel, God with us. God sees this problem with his people not turning to him. Instead of ignoring them, he says, okay, I'll give you a sign that I am the one to trust in, that I'm the only one you can turn to. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, verse 14, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God tells Ahaz to look for this supernatural sign that God will look after his people. And even though Ahaz has been ignoring God, God says, well, I'll do it anyway. I'll do it through Emmanuel, God with us. It's clear from reading this that the child that is going to be born is very, very special And then when we do get to Matthew chapter 1, we realize why this child is so special. Because the birth of this child marks the point in history when God came down to earth in the flesh. God wasn't just standing there, distancing himself from his people, just letting them do what they wanted while he sat back and just didn't care. God has never worked that way. See all throughout the Bible that God has constantly guided, cared for his people. Now, when the Israelites have turned away from God again, God comes down to earth in the flesh for people to see, to talk to, and to know. Right in their midst on earth, the most unexpected, or most rather, unexpected appearance you could imagine, yet also the most significant. Because he walks amongst people as he talks with them and eats with them and speaks to them, lives as a human. God with us here on earth in the flesh. There are lots of things that uh, this tells us about God that we could look at. We're going to look at three of those things now. Three things that we learn about God through his actions in coming down to earth. Firstly, it tells us that God 
knows what it means to be human in the flesh. See, Jesus, Emmanuel, didn't just stay a baby. He grew into a man. He knew and felt what it is to be a human in the flesh. Do you ever feel like God can't relate to you as you go through life and what you experience? Can't relate, perhaps, to to pain or to, to suffering? When we're faced with injustice or with wrongdoing, do you feel like God doesn't know what that is like? Can't relate to it? Well, he does. This world that he came into. He was persecuted by the very people he came down to earth for. They hated him. They told lies about him. They beat him. They even killed him by hanging him on a cross of wood and leaving him to slowly die outside on a hill for everyone to watch. Jesus, God with us, knows what it is to be on earth feel human emotions, human pain, to be faced with the corruption and injustice that does happen in this world. The Bible tells us that Jesus, Emmanuel, actually came to earth to deal with this problem, so that people today can look forward to a reality in the future where there is no more pain or sorrow or injustice or suffering. Revelation 21 says this, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. God doesn't look upon the world and just leave it to self-destruct. He calls people to him to hope in a future where there is no more pain or suffering but life with him. That's what we see in Revelation 21. When we do see that um, the bad things that do go on in this world and we feel suffering, we can know that God actually sympathizes with us because he's felt it. And more than that, he's actually, he deals with it and welcomes those who follow him into this perfect kingdom. He knows and understands suffering better than any of us. God knows what it is to be human. Secondly, God wants a relationship with people. Jesus didn't just walk around while he was on earth taking Instagram photos of people, looking at all the cool tourist destinations that he found on Google, finding all the cool hipster cafes to uh, to drink coffee at. He didn't just party hop, you know, using that cool trick of his to turn water into wine uh, to impress people. He walked around calling people to turn to God to put their trust in Him. Uh, For everyone here at Trinity Grove who's been coming since the start of the year and travelled with us through the series on Mark's Gospel, can anyone remember what uh, the very first words are that Jesus says in Mark's Gospel? Anyone? Something about a kingdom? That's right, I've got the verse in front of me. I'll jog your memories. Very first words that Jesus says in Mark's Gospel... Chapter 1, verse 15, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near, the same kingdom that's spoken of in Revelation 21. Jesus called people to turn to God, to turn from living a life against Him to living a life for Him, and to believe, to trust in Jesus. 
Because God wants a relationship with us. Even coming down to earth in the flesh to call us to that. God wants you to know him as he knows us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. Do you want to know God? Uh, If you haven't before, please do take the time to read through one of the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. I even think there are a couple uh, on the table at the back there. If you haven't had the opportunity to read through one of those Gospels before, uh, I would love for you to take one with you if you haven't done that. So please do take one of those. Please do ask questions. If you came with someone today, speak to them about being able to know God, about what it means to be able to be in a relationship with Him, or come and talk to Mike or myself. We'd love to work through any questions that you might have about who Jesus really is. For those of us who are followers of Christ, it's incredible that we have a God who actually wants a relationship with us, who's not distant, but relates to us in the here and now, He does that through his word, through the Bible. So have you been taking the time to continue getting to know him through his word? Have you been opening up the Bible to read from it and learn from him? I know this is something that I can struggle with, um, especially when life gets busy and kind of fall into the spare time category. I want to encourage everyone to continue prioritizing putting God's word first, making sure we have the time to read through it, to grow in our relationship with God. God knows what it's like to be human. He wants a relationship with people, wants us to know him. And thirdly, God knows what it is to be faced with sin. He, Jesus walked on this earth, felt what it's like to be human, also felt that temptation to sin temptation to do what Ahaz was doing in Isaiah chapter 7, choosing to turn away from God. Yet unlike us, Jesus never gave in to sin. Even when Satan popped up himself to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus didn't turn away from God. It's a battle that we constantly have facing that temptation. Jesus faced that also yet never gave in. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, it says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus knows what it's like to be faced with that temptation, but he never gave into it. That's what we see in Hebrews chapter 4. And more than that, As we read the Bible, we find out that Jesus actually deals with sin for us so that we might be saved from the consequences of rejecting God. We'll be learning more next week about what it looks like next week, uh, sorry, what it looks like to have Jesus as our Saviour. So please come back then as we, we dive into that. But for us today, when we are tempted to turn away from God to sin, Where else can we look but to Jesus, who conquered sin, who never gave into it? When we do face this temptation and give into it, because that does happen, we know that Jesus, who was faced with this same problem as we are, has dealt with it 
by dying on the cross for us. What a great encouragement is that to push on in following God when we know that he knows what it means to be faced with that temptation, with sin, and that he never gave into it, not even for a single second. God knows what it's like to be human. He wants a relationship with us. And he knows what it's like to be tempted by sin just like us. Those three things that Emmanuel, God with us, teaches us about God. Shows us that God is anything but distant from this world. Emmanuel shows us the complete opposite. That God actually has a vested interest in his creation, that he loves us, that he wants us to know him. So where does that leave us? Well, do you know God? If God knows what it means to be human, relates to us, if he's shown himself to be this relational God who does want people to know him, well, what's stopping you from wanting to know God in return? Don't be like Ahaz who chose to ignore God when he was showing him that he isn't distant. Come to God understanding that he does want that relationship with you, that is proven that he isn't distant from this world by coming down to earth in the flesh. And when we look around at the world around us and do see that chaos and corruption, well, God hasn't just ignored it. He hasn't abandoned the world just to fend for itself, but knows how hard it is to live in this world that's corrupted and has actually done something about it. God isn't distant from us. He doesn't ignore the world, but he came down into the world and then made a way for us to be with God forever. Ask yourself, is this, if this is true, then who should Emmanuel be to me? Please continue looking into that. I encourage you, as I did before, read the Bible, talk to someone, talk to God, and get to know Him. For those of us here today who have turned to God, who do trust in Him, we have this fantastic example to follow in Emmanuel, who said no to living life against God, who resisted the temptation to turn away from Him, who conquered the thing that was separating us from God, and he makes it possible for us to be in a personal relationship with him. This month in December, uh, when people are perhaps a bit more open to thinking through uh, or thinking about Jesus, about God, why not share with them this amazing news of Emmanuel? In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus commands his disciples to teach others what Jesus taught them about how to follow him. Knowing that what Jesus said to his disciples at the end of Matthew is still true for us today, well, let's make the most of every opportunity that we can to share Jesus with people, knowing also what Jesus told the disciples after he commanded them to do this is still true for us today. He said, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Emmanuel, God with us. Why don't I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you aren't a distant God, but a relational God who loves us. Thank you for showing us the way to know you, for coming down to earth in the flesh, and making it possible to come to you. Amen.